episode of Nostalgia. I have my friend Tatiana here with me today. We are going to talk about all things nostalgic, the music, the culture, how we both became hat people. And it's going to be great. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. Let's I'm excited to talk about it and do like a blast from the past. Absolutely. So yeah, let's definitely start with talking about boy band culture even girl band culture, the kind of huge bubble that we saw in the early 2000s of female pop singers and just the pop music explosion in general. How was that for you at the time? I think I felt more comfortable within myself because I would just like go out in front of my family and just sing and dance and just feel you know, confident because I saw these other girls and girl bands doing it. Like, why can't I do it? So I think that was the beginning of my confidence level. That's amazing. I love just growing up dancing too. the fact that music videos were so big and you could choreograph dances with your friends or learn the dances from music videos and put on a performance for everybody. Yeah. Like TRL. I remember after school running, running home, like I got to catch TRL and we, we get to see like you know, the new videos up and yeah, the, the choreography, like, I feel like it's so different now. Yeah, it really is. And even you have to think to back then too, this was TRL was really right before the mass adoption of the internet. I think at mm-hmm. that point we had had computers in our homes, but it was still when you had to kick someone off the phone so you could hop online. There yes. wasn't the ability to just go on YouTube and look up a music video, you would, this was even a little bit before the Windows Media Player where you could even select a particular song you wanted to listen to. Otherwise, TRL, you would just cross your fingers and hope your favorite was on that day. Yeah. Yeah. So fun fact about TRL, because I was a huge fan, my confirmation name, I made it to be called Rose. So my initials can be TRL. So Tatiana Rose Lampa. Yes, that is very nostalgic of the 90s and 2000s. That's the best thing I have ever heard. (laughs) Yep. Wow. That's very exciting. I grew up in Connecticut, and so I was a little bit too far away from Times Square and a little bit too young also, at least without my mom bringing me, to go be in the audience at TRL. But that was... That was something that I wish that I was able to do. I know, same. I wish I went. I know, even just knowing that there were real... Okay, again, I guess they weren't kids. I was just a kid. But you see, like, older kids. Yes. And they were there, and everyone was so excited, and everyone was screaming for their favorite artist. And Mm -hmm. the countdown, every week, it was like you got to see these results in real time, and... Yeah, we just didn't really have anything else like it, at least for the millennial generation previous to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that even just seeing on TRL, 
NSYNC and Backstreet Boys obviously are the main groups that come to mind. And I want to talk about this false dichotomy between them because the same guy invented both bands. I literally can't believe that. Yeah, right. And a lot of people don't know and so it was really like this false sense of competition it was huge too you were either team bsb or team nsync there was no in between Mm -hmm. and having to pick i think that that was really common as well just you can only pick one that's your favorite you're a fan for life and there really wasn't this option or this choice that I think that now, especially with social media, where everything's curated to the individual, you get to choose what you want to be a part of. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Nicole, which one, which one was your favorite Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? And back in the day, like you had to choose that team. It's funny because on my own, I was a Backstreet Boys person and it's very interesting because commercially backstreet boys were a lot more commercially successful than mm-hmm. in sync was in sync um sorry backstreet boys is the best-selling boy band of all time and in sync is the sixth and so just to see kind of the difference between them the osmonds jackson five uh what are they called bayshore Boys, I think they might be called, which was like a Scottish boy group in the 1970s. I literally had to look them up. I didn't know who they were. And New Kids on the Block and One Direction. Those oh my God, One Direction. Yeah, those are the the top five best-selling boy bands of all time. However, NSYNC's legacy and lasting impact on pop culture, I would say, is equal weight of that to Backstreet Boys. And with my sister and my cousin we would make music videos she was a diehard in sync fan and so when it came to playing with them and i guess the dedication like i've never gone to a backstreet boys concert but i've been to an in sync concert i've seen justin timberlake i don't know three times maybe when it came down to the community and the group around it though in sync so i feel like i was one of the very few who was like i'm sorry how do you, how do you expect me to pick between these two options yeah yeah i was a die hard in sync fan and then um you know justin timberlake was like obviously like my favorite and then as i got older and now when we start to play throwback music i realized that backstreet boys were more of my jam I just like associated myself. I was like in sync, ride or die, and I knew all the songs. But every time I hear Backstreet Boys, I was like, these songs just remind me of so much, and I feel like I know every single lyric. That I feel like I could have been more of a Backstreet Boys, but I identified myself with in sync. So again, like choosing which which one, which boy band is better, and I think looking back, I don't think one was better. I think they were just equally the same. I think NSYNC actually had more, I don't know if it's more culture, but I feel like the fans are a little bit more different, if that makes sense. Yeah, I even think that contrasting the times that they were really created, if you think about it, NSYNC was really created more in the mid-90s. We associate them with the late 90s and the early 2000s, but comparing that with when the Backstreet Boys were created, which was in... I don't know, 1993 or something like that. And if you think about the major, major shift 
in pop music and in culture from the early 90s to the late 90s. It shows why and how their fans were different. And yes. that's because Backstreet Boys really came from more of an R&B inspired background and their music definitely had a different tone. I would say that they were more similar to, you can't really compare them to boys to men, but an idea of a boy group where they do have a little bit more of that influence where their lyrics are a little bit deeper and that, you know, that was just kind of the, they were a product of that time, Mm -hmm. not of the time that they ended up basically getting kicked out of because by the time NSYNC came out, the, again, that one creator was like, wow, we made two really successful boy bands. Let's follow the formula and do it again. And they created O-Town and LFO and countless other boy band acts that were much more of the bubblegum pop trying to reach a fangirl audience that I think in sync was more closely associated with. And I think too that like my mom liked Backstreet Boys. So I think Backstreet Boys, despite being called boys, were more like men. And Mm -hmm. in sync, I think had a younger demographic. And as a child, you could more closely identify with in sync. Oh yes, totally. But they have that like pop flair that was like so popping when we were like super young. So that was like easy for us to grab onto. Yeah, I think so too. And Ray, with the music videos and it's so easy to just become a part of their world. And at the time when we were reading a lot of magazines too, you could rip out the pages of the magazines and put up in sync all over your wall. Yes. Yes. Lance was my favorite personally. Oh, I love Lance too. I know. And now too, I'm like, he's wonderful. I do feel like JC could have had a better publicist. Like, I don't know what it was. He could have blown up way more. Yes. He totally could have blown up way more. He was so handsome. He was so cute, but I feel like he was like in the shadows of everyone else, but he could have totally shined. Mm -hmm. Right. I think even Joey was in a few films maybe mm-hmm. yeah. right? like he was even kind of pursuing other things I, d- I don't know what Chris Kirkpatrick is up to <laughs> sorry I don't I don't stay up to date although wasn't he with kind of mm, no that might have been Joey and Lance where Joey and Lance and AJ and Nick kind of came together and they, I think we're going to do some touring in Vegas or something along yes. those lines. But it I think never happened, right? never happened yeah. but I think it will. That would be great. Yeah. And I think now people understand that we don't have to choose one or the other and that everybody can come together and, and create awesome things. Well, you know what? I kind of wonder what back then in sync and Backstreet Boys, like, were they forced against a rivalry or did they were like, no, I don't care about this. Like I'm here to make music. Like I would love to know. I wish they could talk about that. Have you heard any of their interviews? I'm going to send you the, actually, maybe I'll throw it in the show notes. Lance Bass has a documentary about it. And then I think I actually saw, and then there's a Backstreet Boys documentary as well. 
I'm like, I love this stuff. Um, He's a Gatsby queen, guys. Yeah, it's compelling. People are watching like nature documentaries or true crime. I'm watching like Backstreet Boys stuff. No, it's very interesting. Yeah, the rivalry was manufactured. And I think that. that. Oh my God. And, And that's what bothered the members about it so much because these are all these, like, they were all based in the Orlando area. And so. You know, Justin and whoever else were in like the Mickey Mouse Club. And it's like these these guys were like Kevin worked at Disney World, you know, like they're in kind of like the circuit. So it's not like these guys like totally don't know anything about each other. They're all just guys who were who were trying to chase their dream and, and make music and be a part of something. Yeah. However, when Backstreet Boys blew up again, the guy who created them just as fast was like, okay, let's do it again. On to the next. And Backstreet Boys was like, wait, you're touring us nonstop. We've been like going, going, going. We're making like no money somehow. Yeah. But now you're like ditching us to go make our competition. That makes no sense. And it made no sense to them from a loyalty perspective, but it made sense from a financial perspective, which if you want an answer to any question, money is usually the answer. But, um, but that's the TLC story too, where they had, you know, the number one song and they were making no money from it. Um, but I think that they too were a great example of a band that really just spoke to people. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, talking about TLC, that is like my ultimate, ultimate favorite. So if anyone knows me, like my go-to, um, like karaoke, like just a time to get myself hyped up is TLC, no scrubs. If I want to wind down waterfalls, like, um, I just feel like their music resonated so well to like just a young girl. And I feel like just trying to identify myself so, I, oh my gosh, and it makes me sad that they weren't getting paid because I feel like in my eyes, they were like the queens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I even remember the first time I ever heard No Scrubs. And I feel like there are a few songs in your, in your life where you remember the first time you heard it. And I was at my friend's birthday party and everyone else at the birthday party was a grade older than me. And they were playing this new song, No Scrubs. I'm like, oh my God. I feel so cool that I get to be a part of this. And right, even when their song Girl Talk came out, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but, you know, it's a song about girls talking. Um, Actually, I think it's a song about girls talking about guys, not talking about each other. But either way, when you're – 11 or 12 or whatever it's very relevant because you are a girl and you know you like to see these women having fun with things and they were able to push the envelope and wear these fun outfits and be expressive and have awesome music videos and you're like yeah that that's it right there Yes. Yeah. That's like the best memories of thinking about like the artists back then, like their outfits, their style, like the choreography, like as a dancer, you are, you're a dancer too. But like when I was younger, I wanted to be a backup dancer. Like it looked so cool. Their outfits, the vibe, like the camera shots, it was just so well put together. Yeah. 100%. I saw recently 
I don't know if it was a meme or whatever, but someone was saying if I could go back to one moment in time, it would be Britney Spears's Dream Within a Dream tour. And that was just something that it's hard at the time because we didn't have the ability, unless you physically went to a concert in person, you didn't have the ability to see it unless they kind of made it into a concert DVD or something Mm -hmm. like that. But I think too, with Darren's dance grooves, that was something huge with the the DVDs where you could learn the combination to Britney Spears is crazy or bye, bye, bye. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oops, I did it again. And it's like, that was something right. Unheard of it. It truly was my dream too, to be a backup dancer because you could just get to be a part of this whole story. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I do want to talk about our obsession with hats, hair accessories, all of that, because like we just mentioned with TLC, the self-expression at any age, but as a kid, I think as you're developing it for the first time on your own, as opposed to having your parents dress you, it's, yes. it's really big. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's totally a big deal. And I'm not saying I had the best clothes, but I had really, really great clothes. And I got my parents to let me express myself. Like when we would go shopping, they're like, all right, what is one thing that you definitely want to get? I'm like, the kangaroo hat, the bucket hat, like that is so my style. Or like when we go shopping, like hair accessories, I'm like the butterfly clips, mom, can you please like twirl my hair and then put the butterfly clips? And it was so cute. And like, honestly, I'm so glad they're kind of bringing it back. I'm I'm on, I'm not sure if you're on TikTok, but I saw it on TikTok these young kids are starting to bring it back. And I was like, Hey, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. I'm obsessed with TikTok, and I love the concept too of now nostalgia as opposed to nostalgia where, where people can appreciate a time that they were not born in mm-hmm. or they were not present for that first trend the, the first time around. And now millennials are old enough for the first time to see an entire trend cycle completed. Yes. And so we're like, wait a second, we're old enough now where people want to wear what we wore when we were kids. That's yeah. crazy. But it's really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, well, talking about like our age, um, at the Super Bowl, there was like this meme saying like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy the Super Bowl is catering to the young kids. And then like one minute later, like, oh wait, we're the old ones now. <laughs> And, you know, that that was, we were so, I'm sure you were just as happy when we, when you saw that halftime, but I was like, I'm in my glory right now. Yeah. It's, it's great because everybody's kind of looking for that sense of nostalgia now Mm -hmm. and today for various reasons. And I still wear my bucket hats now. And I just, I like to think that I, am trendy but it's almost like I sometimes ignore them too because I tend to wear things like slightly maybe before they come back in style which I guess okay ahead of the trend but even like wide leg jeans I was wearing them in 2017 and that was far before they were back in again so then when they were back in I'm like okay I guess I've already been doing this the middle part is back it's 1997 again and I even remember my first 
bucket hat. We have a festival in town every year where there's a parade and there's there's street vendors and there's food trucks. And my grandpa got me a blue camouflage bucket hat. And I was like, this is the coolest thing. Yes. I have ever seen. That is so Nickelodeon. Yeah. Nickelodeon was my aesthetic for sure. Like, and now even like the color orange have grown to love it. Lime green everywhere. I'm obsessed. Yep. My sister was slimed when she was a kid, when we went to Orlando Studios. No way. That was like everyone, every kid's dream was to get slimed on. Yeah, we went to Universal and we got to the show just a moment late. So we were all the way in the back row and they said, okay, kids in the audience, who wants to get slimed? And my sister jumped up and down and my parents are like, they're going to pick her. Like, there's no way you don't. And she, I think she was about maybe eight years old at the time. And she got picked out of the audience because she was like, just so excited and filled with energy. And then of course it takes you however long to like wash it out of your hair after, but great experience. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm thinking about like, since now I'm in Florida and how there's like Universal Studios and um, like Disney. And I've always, always, you know, I love Disney, but I really feel like the blast from the past, my favorite part is Universal because there's like so many like past memories that you get so excited about like Disney was classic but I feel like Universal was like top notch yeah it was interesting too to see some of the I'm trying to think of an example because I haven't been there in a while but like hmm Kind of like the legacy things too, whether it was like old cartoons, yes. you know, Betty Boop, like things like that, where it's, it's very recognizable to all generations. So you could still go with your parents and they would see the Flintstones or the Jetsons or something that maybe we'd seen in syndication when we were kids, but something that can relate to a lot of people. And as a millennial, I think that this is probably my most controversial uh, statement, but I've never seen any of the Harry Potter movies, so. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, th- do that. Yeah. Like, if time, <laughs> definitely watch it. I Well, have you read any of the books? I read the first book because the kid that had a crush on me in third grade got me the book at the Scholastic Book Fair. So I read it. Yeah. <laughs> Scholastic Book Fairs. Oh my gosh. Um, yes, I highly just, I feel like it's just good to know, like, a little bit about the Harry Potter history. Yeah. I've gotten mixed reviews about which house I would be in, so I can't give you an answer straightforward on that. It's it's really good. Like I read the first three books as a kid and then the like the fourth and the fifth was like this big and I was like I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just now that the movies are coming out, I will just watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing the first time one of the books got to be this big. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It was when we were still school age. I was like, I don't want to be reading that much stuff even for school or my personal life. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was like, there's no way I'm reading this. Wow. That is so funny. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how, like in Universal, for example, 
a whole experience can be created. And you, the park goer, you have your own relationship to whatever that pop culture or media was, whether it's how you experienced that movie or how it resonated with you, but then you're actually physically able to go there in person and whether it's going on a ride or whatever kind of, you know, the shows that they have or the experiences and they get to continue to build this world. And I mean, Disney and Universal, excellent examples of how taking that branding and and telling a story and really making people feel immersed in everything. They nailed it. They've they've been nailing it. It's it's so great. Absolutely. Wow. This went by fast already. I know. I feel like I could keep on talking about all this stuff. I know. I'll ask you I'll ask you one more question as we kind of wrap up. And that is who is kind of the whether it was a band or a singer, other than anyone we might have talked about today, who you just really feel like, for whatever reason, had an impact on your life or helped shape your personality or, or how you present even today as an adult? Ooh, um, that's a great question. So I definitely, definitely think TLC has definitely made an impact. Um, and the show or the movie Bring It On. Do you remember Bring It On? Yes, of course. Oh my God. I remember the whole cheer at the beginning. Yes, the entire, I even say the cheer like every, almost every day my boyfriend's like, oh my God, get this girl to shut up. But like I was a college cheerleader and I feel like every time I was at cheer practice, I was like, it always goes back to Bring It On. I knew the entire soundtrack. I remember putting it in my boom box and nonstop playing. I knew every single word. And, you know, the songs would just appear a little bit in the movie. But I like knew every song. Every time I see the movie on TV, I'm like, I got to watch it. There's no way I can't watch it. It's like one of those movies that you can't skip out on. You'll never get sick of. So I feel like TLC definitely like for performance and music and style wise, that definitely shaped me. And then kind of like the the movie part career and like athletic part was like, so bring it on. I wanted to be a cheerleader. I became a cheerleader. I feel like I'm always so hyper and happy. So I think those two are the two, those two. (laughs) That's amazing. I love bring it on as well. And that's one of those movies too, where my sister, even this morning was like, how do, how does anyone talk to us? Because we'll be like quoting bring it on in the middle of a sentence or something and that's one of those movies where it just has so many moments that are just very memorable and resonant and I became a cheerleader also like two two years after bring it on came out and that is really the first time that cheerleading culture was recognized period yeah yeah completely Wow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being here with me today. This is really fun. Thank you so much. I love talking about it. And I hope people are like falling back into the past and just smiling from ear to ear. Absolutely. I mean, that's the purpose to bring people together, make them feel a part of something. And I think when we recall these things from the past and acknowledge that it's, it feels nice to talk to people about it and it feels good to connect with people on something. And and foster those connections. It's a great thing. Yeah. Thank you again. And we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye.
Bye.